AJ, and this is Bad People Book Club. Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast in which we talk about books with some real life discussion questions, a bit of booze, and lots of laughs. So Abby, what did you think of Lucky Boy? Uh, I really loved Lucky Boy. There's so many chapters and so many little bits that are just so wonderful to read and I found myself underlining it over and over again and it's actually quite relevant for me at the moment because I'm pregnant everyone so I can like identify with the becoming a mother bits that both Sully and Kavya go through yeah I just felt like the book really depicted the two mothers perfectly like I was totally in both of their heads and I loved it what about you AJ I couldn't stop thinking about you because there's also this whole thing around home and place and immigration and sort of the arbitrariness of borders and just thinking about you and where you live and how you're moving and might move and all the places that you've been. So it really, it felt really nice to read a book that felt like it connected me a bit more to you. But also it was just an amazing novel, 480 pages, totally worth it. I found myself sneaking in time to read it on in Ubers, on the train. I mean, anytime I could find a time to read, I was definitely head in the book, but it was wonderful. I cried. I laughed. Did you cry in this book? I was like, this is a person yeah, I've cried yeah, I definitely in did. so long in a, for a book. Yeah, same. It's been a while. Yeah, so I'm really excited to talk about it today and can't wait to find out a bit more about what your favorite chapters were and, you know, some of the meat of this book because there is so much to discuss. So for those of you who aren't familiar, Lucky Boy is a tale of two mothers, love. One journeys from Mexico to California seeking adventure and a better life. And then the other woman who is an Indian American woman is battling infertility um, with her partner and she'll really do anything for her new foster son. So their lives collide later on in the book, but it's not a surprise. We were like built up to that moment from the beginning. And the book is by Shanti Sekaran. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, but amazing. So if you haven't read it, definitely pick it up. Now's a great time. And also a newsflash, Evil Longoria is developing a series with David Schulner on Lucky Boy. So We'll see what's to come with that. Very excited. And actually, the author of the book is in the is also in talks with the development. So that's really exciting. So soon we might be able to see this on the big screen. Oh, cool. I can't wait to see what it's like. I'm really curious. I think it has all the great makings of an awesome show. Yeah, I would, I'm definitely going to watch it. Woohoo! I hope people will watch it too. We'll keep you updated. So Abby, what's your favorite chapter? So my favorite chapter was part one, chapter six. And like I said before, there were so many chapters that I love. It was really difficult for me to choose one. But I chose this chapter because it speaks a lot about America in a way that foreshadows the chapters that are yet to come. And also there's just some really beautiful prose in this chapter as well. Like that's the kind of thing that really gets me hooked on an author is their ability to create place and characters. And Shanti did a really amazing job with this. So in this chapter, we find Soli in a truck full of onions with two other women. We're not sure what's happened to Chaco, her lover at this point, but we know he's gone. And through her conversations with the other women, we find out that she's already in California. And I just wanted to 
break out and show how Sully describes it because I found it really beautiful and really moving. And yeah, like I said, it shows kind of foreshadows America that's yet to come. So it goes, and here's what she discovered. This place, this America, this new place, this street of gold place looked a hell of a lot like the old place. America streaked by her, stripped and tender with heat. She watched it all rush past through the slats of the old truck, the tin roofs, the seas of broken glass, glinting and breathless, like a fever dream. America was the dust in her hair, the wind in her throat, the sun that shouted against her eyelids. Between the slats of this truck, America was nothing but a high-tech, high-speed dream of trees and houses and fences, a sliver of uninterrupted light. So it's just so powerful, this piece. And it hit me, and I think it, America hits her with a force of contradiction. So America's that once wonderful and horrible, familiar and unfamiliar. And I guess that's what Soli ends up getting from America at the end of her journey. She wants to come to America because she was tired of her old life. She wanted adventure. You know, it's not the poverty narrative that, you know, you might get out of a stereotypical story. She, in America, she gets some new experiences. You know, some of them are good. Some of them are not just bad, but terrible. And then she ends up in the situation where America takes everything from her, her peace of mind, her shelter, her son. So I guess this really visceral first impression of America stays true until the end of the book for her. Definitely some foreshadowing there, for sure. Great chapter, great quote. So for me, I selected chapter 37 and part two of the book. And in this chapter, Rishi's gas mask for Ignacio arrives. So Rishi like orders a gas mask for him in case the world's going to end. And I love this chapter because we finally get a glimpse into Rishi the father. It's really the first time that the reader sees the protective side of Rishi directed towards someone other than Kavya. After all, he isn't very protecting of himself. I feel like his character is kind of, as you speak of these contradictions, Abby, in that chapter, I'm just reminded of how many contradictions exist for all of the characters, which just feels very real and authentic and true to actual life experiences. But, you know, he like dedicates his life to weebies and clearly feels every ounce of Kavya's pain and is so invested in who she is and her happiness. And yet his behavior totally alienates him from her and I think reads to her and other really important people to him as selfish and absent. You know, when they first adopt Ignacio, he's really not around. And the reality is he's not around because he's kind of overwhelmed by his emotions as opposed to dealing with them. So I would say if there's a character that's guilty of being crippled by emotion, it's totally Rishi. And I think of the exact opposite. Like I feel like I over respond to emotions. So it was nice kind of being in the mind of someone else. Yeah. So I guess that's why he really leans on Kavya so much, you know, and I actually found this connection. I thought that I kind of look at Kavya as like La Bestia, the the train that solely rides to get into the States. I mean, like she's a beast. Kavya is moving forward in life regardless. She's relentless in her efforts and her convictions. And she's kind of just bringing along people on her journey. And part of what's beautiful about the writing is that when you see her vulnerable pieces, it's very touching because they're so few and far between. Such a good comparison. 
Yeah, thanks. So in chapter 37, he puts the mask on Iggy's face, who's like totally frightened, but ultimately his trust allows him to overcome his fears. And the narrator states in this chapter, it was a relief to be in a child's world where kindness was the standard operating mode, where clarity was the order of the day and adult posturing kept its distance. You know, in this moment, the reader is just reminded of Ignacio, a character who is the focal point of this book, but who actually has no voice in the novel, both, you know, literally and figuratively, he has no say in his future and what happens to him and his care. And I think it's actually sort of his purity that brings peace to all of the characters involved. It's almost like his silence is what illuminates what everyone else is feeling and thinking and brings people to their very core. So I kind of look at Iggy as like a reminder of the very best that people are capable of being. He sort of extracts that from people or extrapolates that from people. I also love the way this chapter oscillates between the hearings, the joy and affection between Rishi and Iggy, and then Rishi's own childhood. Again, it just kind of emphasizes that like Iggy seems to be the centerpiece that's holding everything together. And, And Rishi goes on to say, it was wrong. It was wrong to put a gas mask on a boy, wrong that children had to know about gas masks and and bad air and the violent earth. And Iggy would build his towers of wood and Rishi would protect him. Just again, that emphasis on how this purity of this of this character is really what brings out the best and everyone else around him. Yeah, for sure. And if if I guess in that sense, if Iggy represents purity, the gas mask and this kind of disaster theory that comes up throughout the book being positioned in Berkeley, you know, they talk about earthquakes and you know, things like that. And I guess that kind of represents like the fragility of everything and this separation from Iggy on both Soli and Kavya and Rishi's points really become is is a natural disaster that just you know, is is unavoidable for each side of the story. Yeah, I think that's a good point and something I hadn't thought of. I think, you know, the unpredictability goes beyond Ignacio, right? Because, I mean, they, even the adults can't really predict what's happening. And it seems like everyone's grasping for control that's just not there. So, yeah, I think that's a really great point. Yeah, true. And now it's time for Straight Up, our cocktail segment. This month's cocktail is called Lucky Lemonade. This blend of mezcal, chai, hibiscus, and lemonade is an easy, warm-weather sipper meant to evoke the feel of Berkeley, California, the main location of the book. I wanted to create a cocktail with flavors that reference the main character's heritages and put them together in an unexpected but delicious way. To make Lucky Lemonade, you'll need to brew a cup of the hibiscus and chai tea, add honey, and let it cool. Once it's cool, add one and a half ounces of mezcal, two ounces of your tea, and three ounces of lemonade to a cocktail shaker with ice and shake until chilled. Strain into a rocks glass with ice and enjoy. So the first quick and dirty question is called hashtag privilege. We wanted to name and describe a few ways in which privilege is shown in the book. The first one, I think the way the first chapter is set out, Kavya is at Preeti's wedding and Preeti represents the perfect Indian child narrative for Kavya. So in this way, she represents privilege for Kavya. But we soon realize that her life is just as messed up as the rest of us. So this kind of dispels us of Preeti's privilege and also, you know, reveals the truth about this myth that although, you know, a 
a lot of second generation Indian children might put on this face about, you know, being the perfect Indian child, you know, whether they live up to it is something completely different. Totally. Obviously, we had to pick Mrs. Cassidy as a marker of privilege for Soli. You know, Soli refers to Mrs. Cassidy as a Berkeley mother, meaning a mother who feeds their children kale, teaches them physics, and most importantly, doesn't have to work. Okay, this is my thing. Like, you don't have to work, but you also need a nanny. Like, yeah, she just sits around like doing nothing while Soli's there. It's so awkward. Bulking the whole time. And I was just like, Honestly, the whole time I found myself getting really frustrated at Mrs. Cassidy because like, yeah, you are super privileged. You just get to feel all day. She just was sulking in her emotions. I also couldn't quite figure out, does she have postpartum disorder? Like the book never really addresses what's up with Mrs. Cassidy. I don't know. Like I think I think you really hit the nail on the head where she has the luxury of sulking in her emotion. Like, you know, we all have our shit and, you know, self-care is so important, but for the majority of us, that is a luxury and, you know, one that we have to like make time for. But whereas Mrs. Cassidy, like it's just her way of life. Yeah. I I found her to be like an enigma, just this like very sad blue force walking around. But, you know, such a perfect contrast to Soli as a mother as well. True. Yeah. And Soli means son. So I mean, they couldn't get more different. I loved that the author didn't make Soli like jealous of of Mrs. Cassidy. You know, as we move further into the book, it becomes clear that Mrs. Cassidy is like distant and vacant and doesn't seem to have the same sort of intense like love in her life that Soli does. And Soli comes to realize this isn't the American dream that she wants, which is great because I think it spins on her head. Like, what is the American dream? What does it mean to be successful? And if that's success, it's pretty awesome that so they realizes that that she wants something less vacuous. Yeah, for sure. I really enjoyed how it wasn't like put as something that Soli wanted to strive for. Uh, yeah, that was really great. Of course, we have to talk about privilege in relation to Kavya versus Soli. So once the adoption scandal escalates, strangers, particularly university students, begin protesting Kavya and Rishi's right for adoption. You know, they start really tearing apart their personal life, criticizing their home, their car, their privilege, chanting like green card, not MasterCard or something like that. It's startling for Kavya because she's never really considered herself part of the elite. She kind of like tongue in cheek calls out the other Berkeley mothers and things like that. But now she's been unwantingly put in the spotlight and I guess what Sakaran is doing here is putting the focus on the two immigration narratives. So the typical Indian immigration narrative, you know, where people came from boats and planes and came to jobs in the U.S. And then Soli's story that's resulted in detainment. And so I guess she's kind of pitting those narratives against each other to really show the differences. Yeah. And I think part of what was interesting for me in reading the university student piece was that Kavya initially identified with those students. I mean, Kavya was a rebel on campus and was 
you know, there's pieces talking about how she was an activist and this really upset her family. So it was interesting for me to see that flipped on her. And you notice throughout the book that both her and Rishi and Soli all have moments where they're sort of reflecting on their own childhood in really interesting ways. Yeah, that's a really good point. Our next question is called Patron Saint. So the novel starts out with the story of Santa Clara, the patron saint of television, which I almost chose that chapter as my favorite. I think it's a prologue, actually, but I almost chose that as my favorite chapter because I just found it so hilarious and such a great way to set out the book. But we're going to choose a few characters and turn them into patron saints. I'll start with Uma, so Kavya's mother. She is the patron saint of motherly guilt. She's just always hanging about disapprovingly at anything that Kavya does. Totally. Yeah. I like Uma. Like I, for some reason, I still found her a bit charming because you knew it was ultimately she wanted the boat's best for Kavya. But yeah. But she wasn't going to just let anything fly. You know, she's going to put up a fight first. Totally. So I would say Rishi is the patron saint of faking it till you make it. The best part about that is he then realizes that everyone around him is faking it. Like I love when we find out what Sen is actually up to with his wife and all that good stuff. But Rishi definitely has some imposter syndrome stuff going on and he's definitely feeling insecure, but he trudges on and throws himself into work. And in a lot of ways, he kind of mirrors some of the same level of dedication that we see in Soli to her work. And, you know, I would say he's just as dedicated to Kavya as Soli is to Iggy or Nacho. So yeah, definitely the, the patron saint of faking it till you make it. For sure. Sylvia, we've gone with the patron saints of Hispanic maids in the Brooklyn metro <laughs> area. So she's running this like racket in which she's like the dawn of the Hispanic maids. La doña. She, I mean, Fasoli is lucky enough to have a really good gig, but it seems like she is kind of taking advantage of some other people. And I guess it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, she feels like she's done her time. It's, you know, her time to profit, but you did feel just a bit shady (laughs) oh yeah sylvia's like the mob man i was cracking up in the scene where she writes two lists of what you've paid and what you owe and there's nothing on the paid list i mean like she's also petty (laughs) Mm. well and like soli is just so cultural shocked because in mexico that's not the tradition you know you support your friends and family kind of no matter what and then sylvia's taken on this very American capitalist concept of like, no, you pay your debts and you accrue debts if you don't pay them back. So, yeah. So I would say Mrs. Cassidy, you know, our patron saint of of privilege here, you know, she gets to sulk around all day. She gets baked bread. She doesn't work. She's sad. Like, why is she sad? Girl, you ain't got shit to do. Well, that's her problem. Maybe if she did stuff, she'd be a little bit more satisfied with herself. That's true. She needs purpose. So Michael is the patron saint of secretly being in love with your coworker. You say secretly, but I feel like it's not so secret. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Like when he like carries Kavya home and she's like sick. It's just so cute. I love yeah, him. That was really sweet. But yeah, he also gives her some tough love as well. So Yeah, that's true. I feel like we all have a Michael in our lives. And if we're still messing around with F-boys, it's time to take a look at who's near you. 
for our next question, we're bringing back something that we spoke about in the When I Was Puerto Rican podcast. So this time we're going to go with character's guilty pleasure. This is where we choose an anachronistic guilty pleasure that a character might have. So do you want to take the first one? Yeah, this is brilliant. You're brilliant, Abby. I love this. Both Soli and Kavi are pretty like upfront with us about their most inner thoughts. But I would say that Soli would totally have a secret love for getting like food eaten off of her body. I'm just like getting a flashback to Samantha and Sex and the City. Like, That's exactly sushi. what I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah. And I just feel like Homegirl is always hungry and sadly like never gets enough to eat. And, you know, I think just having both of those pleasures met, unfortunately, a lot of her like sex is not like passionate and full of love either. So I think that would just blow her mind. I also think like the contrary between her lack of nourishment and food in her life to Kavya, who's like very profession is to make meals is brilliant. It just seems like Kavya is like bountiful in ways that solely is not and vice versa you know when you think about like fertility and so I just really loved seeing that play out and experiencing that kind of juxtaposition yeah that's so true so moving on to Kavya as AJ mentioned Kavya is a chef and she's always cooking something quite healthy particularly for her sorority house which was a really interesting job choice I thought because she's so obsessed with she's such a foodie I think she has a secret love of just like terrible junk food. Oh, yeah. Hot Cheetos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like the more processed, the better. <laughs> What's your favorite junk food? I just have like I'm a total sweet freak. So I love ice cream, really. But then I'll like I'll like chew on like cookies or. Oh, you chew on cookies. You don't just swallow them whole. Yeah, I know. I know. It's weird. <laughs> Okay, if you love ice cream, you have to try Talenti's black raspberry chocolate chip. It's like I can't stop talking. <laughs> I can't stop talking about it. Only podcast that's not actually sponsored by Talenti's, but it's not. You'll still but give it's them a free so shout good. Out. It's the best recipe. <laughs> I think I'm a fries girl personally. Yeah, I, t- I can't get behind that. I don't really like fries. Oh, that's good. I'm sure your asshole thinks you. <laughs> So let's move on to Preeti. We soon learned that Preeti isn't as perfect as she seems. Mm. So I would guess that she has a passion for letting the house get really, really, really dirty. Like maybe Mrs. Cassidy level dirty. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, I know that that doesn't sound that terrible, but I feel like for Preeti and the standards that have been placed upon her, that would be. Oh, yeah. Uma would be pissed. Yeah. (laughs) Rishi, you kind of spoke about his corporate life in Silicon Valley. Well, I guess it's not Silicon Valley, but, you know, something comparable. And it's really buttoned up most of the time. But I think he would have a secret love for trashy reality television, like probably something like really girly and like like the bachelor yeah or like or the kardashians or something like that something that he just totally wouldn't want anyone to know yeah i can see that i'm not gonna lie like when i'm really sick sometimes the kardashians is nice to watch i actually like don't hate the kardashians but oh that's good i mean i didn't hate them but now i'm just worried about kanye and pointing fingers at everyone (laughs) that'll be We need to make an entirely different podcast episode than just analyzing Kanye. I read a Ta-Nehisi... Ta-Nehisi Code stuff? ...article on him today. It was really interesting. Yeah, that was a really interesting article. I also read that one. 
And speaking, actually, let's just plug This is America by Childish Gambino while we have the chance, because we are talking about immigration and what it means to be American. And, you know, that video is a really phenomenal look. I was talking to someone about this recently who said he thinks it's the best music video since Thriller. So if you haven't seen it, check it out. Maybe we'll put it on our next playlist because we really focused on a good one for this playlist. Maybe I'll add it retro. Yeah. Yeah, let's add that one on there. It's a great, great song. (laughs) Would you rather, Miss Abby Jones, would you rather live a supposedly perfect life like Preeti or fumble through life like Kavya? For me, this is a really easy one. And I guess it's the way that I do live my life. I would definitely rather fumble through I don't strive for perfection. I strive for doing good, but I don't strive for perfection. So I'm happy that way. I think I would also like to fumble through life, but I would want Preeti's like wedding. Like her wedding just seems amazing. There's food everywhere. She's at ease. Her outfit's gold, like goals. That I would want a like really beautiful Preeti wedding. But yeah, I'll fumble through life like Kavya. So would you rather, AJ, experience love like Soli, Kavya, or Mrs. Cassidy? Oof. I feel like Mrs. Cassidy is like what love out of convenience looks like. For sure. Which I think is very empty and lonely. So I'm going to say no to that. And then experience love like Soli or Kavya. Hmm. Well, okay, so Kavya and Rishi are, like, in love with who they once were, but I think they struggle to, like, love who they've become. And Soli feels like very immature love. I mean, she met Chico for a couple nights, although the experiences that they had together were definitely life, you know, binding. But it feels, something about it feels unrealistic, you know? Like, had she known him for six months, who knows? He might have been really annoying. Yeah. (laughs) I think I'm going to go with Kavya and Rishi because I think – Ultimately, they have this unrelenting, standing the test of time, devotion to one another. And I think ultimately at the end of the book, they learn how to meet each other halfway. And that was like a very beautiful part of the novel as well, just watching their relationship play out. So I'm going to go with Kavya and Rishi because I think they don't give up on their love. How about you? They've got a really good partnership as well. Yeah. I mean, it's not perfect, but yeah. For a while, it's kind of damaged by the infertility but I think they come back to that original partnership and that original team mentality that they kind of have at the beginning well before their infertility so yeah I agree that's very true would you rather have a mother like Uma or a cousin like Sylvia that's a hard one Well, you kind of touched on it earlier. I think I'd rather have a mother like Uma because, you know, like she says, she puts on this face of like the tough guy, disapproving mother, whatever. But she really does want what's best for Kavya at the end. And, you know, she ends up loving Iggy, not just as much as Kavya, but, you know, almost as much as Kavya. So, and also just, I think Sylvia would just make me really nervous (laughs) to be around. So I'm going to go with the mother like Uma. What about you? Well, yeah. And uh, like Sylvia, I have no, I don't think Sylvia really wants what's best for Soli. I think as long as it's convenient for her, it works. So I would definitely go with a mother like Uma for sure. Yeah, true. (laughs) 
the title of the book, as we know, is Lucky Boy, right? Ignacio stirs up a lot of shit around him, literally and figuratively. So, what do you say, Abby? Is he lucky or not? So, I guess luckiness is relative or fortune is relative, whatever you want to call it. And Ignacio is lucky because he has this incredible love coming from both solely he's experienced this incredible love from his mother he you know did this fight for him when he was a young child and then he has an incredible love from Kavya who you know he means the world to and he's fulfilling that gap in her life and I really feel like credit to Kavya she filled a gap in his life as well you know he was just one of many in a foster home acting like a dog when Kavya picked him up but you know, her love and her patience and her motherly tendencies or whatever you want to call them led him to really kind of being this independent, wonderful boy. So yeah, he's lucky because he has two loves like that in his life. I'm not saying that the outcome in the end was what's best for him. or And I'm also not saying that the outcome wasn't what's best for him. I just feel like you know, he is lucky in a relative sense. What do you think? You know, I think he's lucky because I think he brings out resilience in the people he meets. I was just reviewing before we were recording some of the chapters while Soli is in detention and they're gut-wrenching, like just totally heartbreaking. And you know, it's the thought of Ignacio that really allows Soli to power through and be brave. So I think he's lucky in the sense that while at times it feels like he's part of what the problem is. Well, I shouldn't say that because I don't think he's part of the problem. I think some of our sociopolitical politics are the real problem. But the fact that he sort of highlights that problem can deem him unlucky. But I think actually he's also what allows people to pull through you know, he teaches Kavya what she's capable of as a mom. I think so much of her infertility woes were the sort of fear that she wasn't capable of doing it. And even though, you know, I won't spoil the ending, things change. Ultimately, she learns from the experience with him that she is capable of being a mom. And I love the part where the author describes the sing songs that she does and as she tries to speak to him in Spanish. And the author Shanti like speaks about on motherhood. I read an interview with her and she's, she spoke about motherhood as, as not being just, you know, giving birth, but as being there when the child is awake at night and you need to feed them when they don't want to be fed and they're sick. And Kavya really learns that through Ignacio. And he also brings their marriage, Kavya and Rishi's marriage together because they suddenly have this purpose for as a team with him. So I would say he is lucky. To be honest, when she first, in the beginning, when Soli was pregnant, I was a little pissed. I was kind of like, girl, I didn't expect it to go as well as it did. So I would say he's lucky for sure. Yeah. And I guess on that, the pregnancy thing, I just became so in love with Soli in those chapters where she's traveling to America that like, I was almost disappointed when he came along because I'm like, no, I don't want this to be about another person. I want it to be about Soli, which it still was. And, you know, you grew to love that part of the story just as much as you love the chapters about Soli. But I just loved the first part of the book so much. I didn't want to give it up. Same. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. (laughs) 
moving on to our playlist. This month, we've created a playlist consisting of two artists, one from Soli's culture and one from Kavya's. So the first song is Long Gone Girl by Flor de Toloache. Did I pronounce that right, AJ? Uh, Flor de Toloache. Yes, what AJ said. (laughs) I love them. I'm so glad that they're on this playlist. They're amazing. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's how I found them is from that text that you sent me quite a while ago. And I was like, there's got to be like, I need to wait for the perfect moment. And this was the perfect story to bring this band into. So... For y'all that don't know, they are an all-female mariachi bands. They're from New York, so they've kind of got that second-gen thing. But they're from a diversity of backgrounds and heritages. They are incredible musicians who both hold on to the tradition of, you know, where they came from and their family's cultures, but they also fuse it with modern themes. And I really, really encourage you to check them out. They're so good. They won a Latin Grammy they were nominated for a Lion Grammy for their previous album. They're badass. They're so good. So we chose the song Long Gone Girl. I mean, this could have been the title of the first section of the book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, it's about a girl that's plotting to get away from something and she's seeking elsewhere. So the lyrics are, there's a feeling inside my heart that won't let me forget. I've got to get up, got to get girl up. It's my time to land. I see my fears, face them all head on. It's also clear that girl is long gone. And you can just feel Sully kind of repeating these lyrics to herself, almost like a mantra, just, you know, as she leaves Mexico and she plots to get Iggy back. So, yeah, please go check them out. Yeah, so worth it. Also on our playlist is Add Value, Add Time by Shilpa Ray. Shilpa Ray is an artist with a bluesy, punky sound. Ooh, love it. She too's from New York where, the you know, all the amazing artwork comes out of. But she's of Indian American descent, and we chose her song Add Value, Add Time to highlight on the podcast because it totally pokes fun at both the American and Indian myth of work, 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 and poses the question of what do you really get from your life for living this way? And I just saw a meme this morning that was like, you know, you're breaking your back to work for an organization that would drop you and in a heartbeat. So live your life. Yeah. So add value, add time. So everyone, that was Lucky Boy by Shanti Sakaran. We hope you are subscribing to our subscription book service at badpeoplebookclub.com. Again, we turn cocktail recipes into books. So please sign up for next month's book, which will be revealed to you soon. Dun, dun, dun. Cool, AJ. Well, I'll see you next time. See you next time. Have a great month. Oh, happy Mother's Day. This will probably come out afterwards, but... We actually didn't do that on purpose, but it's quite apt. Yeah. All right. Well, see ya. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.